0: Hi, everyone.
1: You're listening to Oh My Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Janine, aka Lawald Explorer, and I'm here today with our producer, Martha.
0: Welcome back. We have a
1: special guest on our show. We have Miss Jess. She's a cultural immersion coach, language teacher, and fluent in four different languages. Jess, please introduce yourself
2: hello everybody thanks so much for having me on your guys podcast i love connecting with you and following you guys and i think it was like a combination of clubhouse slash instagram so really happy to be here yeah um the the magic of clubhouse everyone um but yeah my name is jess i'm founder of the wonder word um like you said i'm a cultural immersion coach uh language teacher and travel planner um and so yeah, I mean, I guess my my traveling story starts um a long time ago when I was really young growing up. Um, and I was super shy, like really awkward and like a lot of things that are actually, I think, are the opposite about me right now, and a lot of it does have to do with traveling, I think. Um that, that is very transformational. Um, but I grew up in a not so diverse suburb outside of Boston. And I was, you know, suffering a lot from like low self-esteem, depression, um, and I didn't have that many friends. And so I spent a lot of time like alone in my room listening to music and I really love music, um, so much. And I started to get really curious about other languages just by like hearing other languages from people that lived in, you know, went to my school, um, and also, you know, just getting curious about music from around the world, um. So when I was younger, I listened to a lot of like Celine Dion, Gloria Estefan, Selena, and just like different international music. Um, And it just, I don't know, there was just something about um, hearing other people speak different languages that always made me super curious. And just, you know, thinking about why uh, there are so many different languages and what else We can unpack uh, from that, from people speaking different languages. What other differences are there? What's similar with the different types of communications that people have? Um, So it led me to study languages uh, starting in middle school. I think in the sixth grade I started studying French, Um, and then I because of Celine Dion, really. Uh, And then when I went to high school, I love Celine Dion. I love her and she's so just like I don't know there's something about her vibe that I also really like apart from listening to her music when I was growing up um she's like one of
0: a kind and just so like I don't know it's like she's ageless but she's always been the same age even though (laughs) it's like weird I always feel like she's like been an adult even though she started singing when she was like 16 or something
2: I know her career spans, I mean, decades um, and, you know, she's bilingual. So that's another thing that's really powerful. I think when you're a musician, because then you can get the double audience and then you can also connect with people about that, the intersectionality, you know, um, being bilingual or being multicultural, um, whatever it is. So, yeah, um, I love her. <laughs> legend, legend. Um Yeah. So, you know, then I started to also study Italian in addition, um, to French when I went to high school and I was really, really lucky. Um, I'm still so grateful to go to the high school that I went to because there was such a focus on, um, you know, being open-minded, like serving the international community, making cross-cultural connections, and also like not, um, not quote-unquote teaching a language, but, um, or sorry, not not learning a language, quote-unquote, but acquiring a language. Um, so my teachers, instead of doing like rote memorization and translations and like study this list of 10 words, we have a test on Friday, it was really more about um, being exposed to authentic resources, authentic uh, learning materials. So, you know, instead of instead of, or in addition to, like, getting a vocab list about, like, the city, right, where you would have, like, museum, post office, and uh, train station, a police station, a restaurant, and those types of things, um, we would instead, you know, look at, like, maps of Italian cities, and, like, my teacher would speak to us in Italian about those things, and show us a lot, a lot of pictures, and then, you know, reading, like, articles that were made by Italian people, or by French people, French speakers, rather, um, for those people, instead of accessing materials that are made for people to learn the language, like ELL, for example, um, it's really more, acquiring a language is more focused on just using the products, uh, magazines, newspapers, TV shows, whatever it is, literature um, that already exists in that culture as a way to learn the language. Um, so that way, it's really uh, more of the way that our brain works. Um, like if you think about how, you know, you learned uh, your first language growing up um, or you know, teaching your children language now, you don't need to explicitly uh, teach them, you know, like, hey, this is a glass, glass, hey, this is called a glass, like and point at something and like explain it to them explicitly. Um, You can just use words and sentences combined with images and body language and things like that. Um, And giving context, I think, is the biggest thing. This is the real way and the best way that our brains learn languages. So I learned that just from going to high school. I mean, that was free 99 information for me. (laughs) and you Know going to that school, we also had a lot of exchange programs. So, um, you know, being a teacher now, I know that that's not very normal. Um, but we had exchange programs to France, um, they alternated every other year between Mexico and Spain. We had an exchange program to Italy, um, exchange program to also China. So, there were a lot of opportunities for international travel at my school, and also a, a summer trip that wasn't an exchange program. Uh, to Prague. that
0: is so cool. Uh, I mean. I, I thought exchange programs really only existed in books and in movies and in like TV shows because we didn't have that at, at my school. So I always, I was like fascinated. It's just so crazy to think that. I know.
2: Yeah. And you know, what you just said really speaks to like, a, in my opinion, like a crisis in the United States um, and in, in countries that have, um, you know, predominantly English speakers um, like Canada and Australia and, and the UK. Um, can sometimes, the, like, sometimes the societies don't value um, cultural exchange. I think that it's, I'm mostly talking about the United States, to be honest. Um, so in our society, we don't really have this, like, importance of uh, learning languages, you know, being bilingual, multilingual, um, or traveling, like, as a way to culturally immerse yourself. I think traveling here is really just seen as, like, vacation or just, like, an escape. Let's go to Aruba or whatever, which is awesome. Um, but there's not a lot of focus around cultural immersion connections um, with like the people to people side of it, I think. Um, So I I think the way that I am right now is really because of those exchange programs. Like the first time I ever left the country or I ever left home even um, was a six week exchange program to Paris. Um, And, you know, we all stayed with the families and, and we were with the other Americans in the group, like during the day to go do different visits. And we did go on like field trips and stuff and like spend a couple of weekends away. Um, But mostly it was just kind of just like living like a Parisian, like, you know, go to school, go home, after school activities, family dinners at night. Um, So that was the way that I started to travel. So I think it definitely has a huge impact on the way that I view travel and the way that I um, like teach in my, in my normal job, uh, teaching children Italian at the local high school, and also what I do with the Wanderbord as a, as a cultural immersion coach. Um, And that just kind of turned into, you know, another exchange program the next year after that to Italy. Um, And I have, I'm American 100%, but I have ancestral roots in Italy. So it was a little bit different than going to France. Um, But then I also found out that I have ancestral roots in France. So I guess, (laughs) I guess it's both and then after that, I studied abroad in college. Totally life-changing. Um, if you know anybody who is in high school or college um, of that age, I really just can't say enough about taking these types of opportunities um, to travel when you're young and actually like live abroad for a period of time. Um, it taught me how to live on my own. I mean, I was only 19, so it was really hard. Um, I think um, to to do that, but it was an experience that I really needed to kind of like catapult my self-esteem, my self-awareness, my independence and my abilities to do things. So I think that's why it is really, really important. Um, Not just college. I mean, you know, anybody can go and live abroad and work abroad and study abroad for a period of time. It doesn't necessarily have to be connected to um, an institution. Um, Yeah. And then basically, you know, after that, I I graduated. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was working like three jobs. I was a um, I was a private tutor for a company called Berlitz. They do private language tutoring, and they also have I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them. They have like dictionaries and like guidebooks and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's just one of those like international companies that has a lot of schools all over the world for uh, tutoring. Um, the only the only bad thing about it is that I think that it's really expensive um, for the client and the the teacher doesn't get paid, like, really at all. So Berlitz is making huge profit, um, but it was a good way for me to, like, like I didn't know or even have any idea that I wanted to be a teacher at that point. Um, I just got a job, you know, I, I typed in Italian on Craigslist and like I just went through all the ads and I found that. Um and then I was working at two different restaurants and just like, you know, really like busting my butt to to make money. Um and one day my friend walked in. I was working at this cafe in Newton called Boca Bella Cafe. And she was like, hey, she was working at a high school, a local high school as an Italian teacher. And she was like, hey, there's the other Italian teacher is going on maternity leave and they've been looking for someone to replace her. For like five months and like the whole time she's been pregnant and like nobody wants to do it. And I instead of thinking, like, wow, why doesn't anyone want to do that? Like, how come you know what I mean? I was like, Yeah, I'll do that. Um, so it was kind of like a a really quick like transition between being like a server and a hostess at two different restaurants, and like just kind of like piecing together my salary with different jobs and like just trying to make it, trying to move out of my parents' house um to being a teacher and like literally had no idea what I was doing at all, like zero. I only got the job because the department head is Italian. I hadn't taken the teaching exam. Like I took it really quickly after the interview. Um, And that's how I started teaching. So it was like really random. It was not intentional at all. I did not study education in my undergrad. I just double-baited in Italian and French. Um, And yeah then then I got married um unfortunately that relationship became abusive physically mentally financially um and I didn't travel for a period of time because this person was very controlling um and so it was a really uh, low point in, again in my life where I felt low self-esteem um you know really constrained by my environment um and also by the four walls of my classroom because I felt like it was just very limiting um you know, working at a school that that didn't really support um, the concept of acquiring a language versus learning, like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found myself like really like craving, you know, different experiences to give to my students. So I started to take them on tours and trips, and with a tour company called Explorica, which I do recommend. They are very good, um, but they're expensive and they're fast paced, and so you know, after kind of like, after doing that for a little bit, um, I just, you know, and then after getting out of, of that abusive marriage, um, I just like had a couple of moments where I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, we're like going over to these, these countries and we're spending like five hours in this city and then we're getting on a bus and then we're going on the train over here. And it just it felt so like, it didn't feel authentic. It, it felt like really like fake and not you know, in touch, um, not hating on that company at all. They are wonderful. Um, and they're very organized and they're very well known. So, you know, they're, they're great. Um, but it just wasn't for me. So, um, two, two things happened. Uh, one, I, another accident, I went on a solo trip on accident because my friend ditched me. Um, and it was very, um, healing, um, in like, almost like a spiritual way. Um, and I felt felt like I had gotten my power back to travel again because I hadn't, I didn't go to Italy for like five years. It was crazy. Um, so that happened. And then I reached out to um, a bunch of Italian teachers and different schools in Italy. And I created an exchange program for my students. So instead of having um, you know, a tour company do everything, I did everything. I got the plane tickets for everybody. We made the itinerary for when the Italians came here and for when we went over there. And it was just a collaborative experience with the high school in Italy. Um, And then a couple of years ago, I started really to think again, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like I'm still still feeling quite limited by my school. And, um, you know, my principal, he didn't want us to go for longer than a week. And I'm like, we can't like this is an exchange program. Like this is like at least two weeks, you know, best would be three or four. He would not. uh, He just said, no, 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 won't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. And so I started to think about other ways that I could help people travel and people would always ask me, how do you travel so much? How do you travel solo? How is it so cheap? How do you know all these languages? Um, And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. So pandemic hits and I had, you know, unfortunately, a lot of time, like all of us without traveling, but also a lot of time to think about what I wanted that to look like, um, how I was going to help people travel. How I was going to use my expertise in, in languages um, and cultural immersion to help others travel, the, you know, in the most uh, kind of ethical way and also healing way for them. Um, and so the Wander Word was born last year in 2020. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. So that's the story. So amazing. I love hearing yes. your story yeah oh my god I love sharing it I do I really do
1: you cultural immersion and travel just really like shaped who you are and it just kind of comes full circle um and and I've heard like parts of your story before but thank you for sharing that with us and with our audience um I just want to shift over we're gonna do this little segment real quick where we're just gonna ask you some rapid fire questions.
2: (laughs) Ooh, that's fun.
1: Um, So it's a this or that series. Oh,
2: Um, I love that.
1: All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, this or that? Long hair, short hair? Long. Music while working, no music? Music. Ham sandwich, tuna sandwich? Tuna. City, nature? City.
2: The Departed, Goodwill Hunting, The Departed. I'm from Boston. Window aisle. When, no aisle, <laughs> aisle. And oh my God, both of those movies are from Boston. So that's, all right, yeah, next, <laughs> last question. Huh? Boston University or Boston College? Ooh, oh my God! Oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get <laughs> so much hate over this. Um, I'm gonna say uh, BU. All right. <laughs> To be careful. Hope hope no one from Boston listens to that. I know, right? <laughs> Everyone <laughs> from Boston's gonna listen to this. Everyone is. I know. I'm gonna get DMs <laughs> like,
1: ah, I went to BC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was
0: it probably, was rapid fire.
2: Yeah, and also, pressure. you said aisle. I said aisle. Yeah, 100. Um, percent Okay. Yeah. Oh my I, God! I thought,
0: no one you had aisle.
2: I need to stretch out. I need to get up. I can't like I I don't think I have claustrophobia or anything like that, but it's just something about um, just being like next to a wall and a person or like next to two people. I just I get a little bit uncomfortable and I do like to get up and stretch a lot and like go to the I drink a lot of water when I travel because I find that it does help a lot with jet lag. Um, I used to drink the glass of wine, but I don't even do that anymore because I think, I really think it does make it a lot worse jet lag, even not talking about getting drunk or anything, even just a one glass of, of wine. Um, yeah. So I need to be always aisle and, and I get up so much and I feel so bad if I'm sitting <laughs> in the middle or the window. So I always try if I can, especially if it's a long flight, if it's a short yeah. flight, I'll, I'll rally. I'm, I'm good. But if I'm going across the ocean, it needs to be aisle.
1: I am the same, Jess. Other than the wine, I do need to have at least one glass of wine because I get nervous. I don't like
0: the turbulence. Yeah. needs very jumpy.
2: Yeah. It's, I hate turbulence too. I just try, I do like deep breathing and stuff. And just like, if that ever happens, um, sometimes I'll have a glass of wine, like at the airport before I get on the plane that yeah. I like that. That's yeah. nice. Yeah.
0: Love that. Nice. Well,
2: I love your this or that. I knew yeah, you were going to pick music, you and your music Mondays. I love oh it. God. Music Monday. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, another thing about music is that I just feel like it's so healing and it's so, it's such a great way to connect with people. Like I think that's, it's, you know, it's also a good cultural immersion tip because you can, you know, investigate a lot about a culture through it's different music. Um, but yeah, I always have music on. I'm one of those people like 24-7. If I'm awake, there's music on always. <laughs>
0: oh, that's awesome. I know. I love that. Yeah. But shifting to um, back to travel, um, your, your cultural immersion, um, you're starting a new venture with that,
2: right? Can you tell us a bit about that or give us a yeah. sneak peek? I know you're dropping some news. Yeah. Sneak peek. So lots going on. My, my website is about to launch. Um, so I've assumed by the time you guys put this episode out, it'll be out there. Um, yes, the yes. So that's where you can find out like all about me and and some of my services. Um, and then I'm also uh, creating a course. So the course is not exactly set in stone yet. I'm still gathering data from a survey that I did. Um, So, yeah, and it's going to be really focused on um, just kind of like the one like culture immersion 101 um, combined with like travel planning, like making an itinerary. Um, So that's kind of what the, you know, inside scoop is on it. Um, I'll be creating it's going to be kind of like a like a mini course, um, something that you can do on your own. So I'm really excited for that uh, because I think it's important. And, you know, some of my other services, one-on-one, um, you know, coaching and, and travel planning and language teaching, um, you know, I'm trying to make money. Stuff costs money. and uh, But I, I want to make products and courses that are lower priced so that more people have access to it. So this is kind of also like a something that I'm doing with the cultural immersion course, creating like a mini uh, course so that people can access it and and um, I'm really really excited I'm really excited working on it right I'm now I'm
1: excited
2: yeah I can't especially wait
1: especially after all that you said you know how like you've had you know this history of learning a um, time you, you learned it a certain way and you really grasped to that and um you know just pointing out how traditional American um, teaching style that that you know we're not really doing it in the best way that we can. Um, so I love that. I'm, I'm really excited about your upcoming course and so awesome that you're sharing, um, the launch with us and yeah, super excited for you.
2: Yeah. Lots of things going on and, and I hope, um, you know, I hope it will just inspire people to, to travel plan, um, in a way that's, mindful and also beneficial to both parties because I think when we do travel um, a lot of the preparation is about the self which it should be like we have to take into consideration our own necessities um, our preferences you know obviously Um, yeah but sometimes we forget about the people that we are going to be interacting disrupting Yeah. Like, yeah. Like disrupting. Like I always say, you know, when you travel, it's a, it's a, you know, whatever you want to call it, a vacation for you or an escape or an experience for you, but you're going to people's homes. Like you are going somewhere where people live their daily lives. So I mm-hmm. think it's important to remember how, um, you can, um, support that community. Um, I mean, there's so many different ways and that's something that I'll be teaching, um, in the course and something that I, um, I'm working on getting better about like teaching on my Instagram page and stuff like that. Um, just the, that important, the importance of that human connection, like travel really is about humanity. Um, and, and, you know, it can be also intimidating, I think, for some people to know how to navigate um, cultural immersion, because it is such a big umbrella topic. Um, so the goal of really the wonder word and in the, in the course and everything that I'm doing is trying to make that more manageable for people and teaching them how they can use resources that they already have access to um, to immerse themselves before they go while they're over there and then how to kind of like process it when they get back so yeah
0: and I mean that's a different style of travel that not everyone is doing Um, I mean some people just really want to head out because of weather go out to a resort stay in their resort, get on their, get in the taxi, head back to the airport and go home without really interacting with the, um, with the locals or doing any like cultural um, venture. So things like that. So I know that it's a, it's a particular type of traveler that you want to attract. And I mean, it's not for everyone. Everyone has different styles of travel. Um, But, yeah, I just want to kind of touch on that. Like, um, for people that do want to go out and not limit themselves to their resort, um, if we don't do any preparation for ourselves and for the people that we're going to be meeting, um, it does feel like we, we would disrupt their lives because they're not... You know, they're not at the resort, like these people are out there, like living their lives and going to the store. And if we're not prepping ourselves, even like in little ways for interaction, then it's kind of like they're thrown off as well. And then they might come off a certain way and then we feel like, well, they're being rude to me or they hate you know that i am american they hate that i'm a woman they hate that i'm like you know x y and z when that might not be the case it's just because we didn't um we didn't do the research into like how we're supposed to interact or what comes off route to them like we're just kind of focusing on the
2: self i think you know i put a big emphasis on tourists versus travelers so i think that um a tourist can have traveler-like qualities and vice versa. But I think that a tourist is is somebody, um, you know, like you were just describing, Martha, somebody whose goal is to, you know, get into the warmer weather, like escape the winter or whatever, the snow. Um, Somebody who is looking just to be like you know, and I'm prefacing this by saying to also, um, that travel is so personal. So like, there's like, as long as you're not like damaging communities when you go there and like being a complete, just like crazy person, a-hole, um, there's, there's not a lot of wrong ways to do it, I guess. Um, as long as you're respecting the community and you're not like using up their resources for you and you're not, um, you're not like exerting your privilege in like in a in an authority like way, or like using your, your privilege as a power over other people. Um, besides those things, I don't really think there's any wrong way to travel. It's very personal. Um, but yeah, I think uh, in my experience, um, most people that I met before I started working on the Wander World were tourists, um, people who wanted to, you know, get the most out of their one or two week vacation um and again i'm i'm mostly talking about americans because i am american and that is my my experience as a traveler is being an american and traveling to other countries um so yeah and i think it has a lot to do with just like your mindset and also like society um cuz we have to remember too that in the united states people only get like two weeks vacation per year um and that's just not normal in other countries so there is a sense of like urgency um and a rush To go places and to see so many things, um, that oftentimes I find that those people have the most the higher levels of stress when they travel because of that, Um, because they think, all right, I have two weeks, I have to go to Italy and I have to go to Milan, Venice, Rome, you know, Naples, uh, everywhere, you know, Tuscany and everything, and and that's just not realistic. Um, When people go and do those things, and trust me, they do. Um, And I did that once with the tour as well. It's very stressful and it's very exhausting. And travel is already stressful and exhausting to get over there, to pay all the money that you're paying, to be somewhere where maybe you don't speak the language and maybe you're having culture shock. It's already stressful. So I think that being a traveler and meeting more travelers now, because I'm connecting with more of the travel network, like with you guys, um, with the WanderWord um you know i've i am definitely meeting a lot more travelers than than not um recently so so they do exist um but i do think that there is a, a, an important kind of balance so in like kind of checks that we have to you know make sure that we're doing when we travel um like you know martha was was talking about locals kind of getting like are being seen as rude Um, or getting offended about certain things. And, you know, it's very simple to avoid those types of situations by just learning how to say hello, please, thank you, how are you, and to stop looking at locals as a tool and a resource for you, but to start looking at them as people. Because I think that when tourists travel, they see You know, workers in restaurants and tour guides, and 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 just a random person walking on the street, as a tool, so that they can get something they need, and usually that's how do I get here? You know, where is this? Um, and and stuff like that. So I think a traveler kind of pivots those interactions a little bit and changes the words that they might be using, and focus the interaction a little bit more on. Hi, how are you? What are you doing after work? What uh you know, where do you live, which neighborhood do you live in? Like stuff like that which is still going to get you information about that place, right? You're still going to get you're still going to be able to use this person as a tool and as a resource, but Wouldn't it be nice if it was just like a nice conversation and maybe you even get to know each other's names. Maybe you get phone numbers. Maybe they invite you to their house to have dinner with their fam. So these are the things that we have to think about when we travel, looking at locals as, okay, okay resources, yeah, of course, because they're part of the culture, Uh, yeah, 100%. But we need to see them first as humans. And I think that tourists um, do that a lot less than than travelers do so 100% yeah and and you know just seeing um you know meeting you guys and seeing your content and listening to your podcast like you know you guys get it you guys are travelers and and I think part of what you're doing with all my travel podcast is really giving people access to that information um you know I see a pretty big focus on with you guys you know like practical things about traveling but also you know things that have to do with culture and, and helping people be better travelers. Um, so there is, there is, I think kind of a, a movement happening. Um, and I also think that with COVID, um, we have seen more of the like humanistic side of things, or I don't even know if that's a word, but I just, I just said it, um, yeah, no, you're saying <laughs> humanistic. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing all these all these big popular destinations like Rome and, and Paris and, you know, Bogota, Colombia and, and uh, all so many different countries across the world and um, major cities that have been emptied out by tourists and that are filled up by locals. And so locals are kind of like reclaiming their cities again. Um, I mean, even me. I found a whole new neighborhood where I live. I didn't even know it existed before, you know? I went into downtown Boston where I never go because why? There's so many tourists, it's -hmm. expensive. It's, you know, there's no parking, um, a lot of stuff like that. But now that there's not a lot of that going on, I mean, it definitely is changing now, but uh, these, these cities are able to kind of breathe again and reset. And so now it's time to think about what our travel goals are going to be for um, this year, or whenever you feel comfortable traveling again, um, and I, so I think there's a great opportunity to use cultural immersion to teach people how to do that. Now that we kind of are shifting our focus, and people are realizing, you know, that nine to five job you know, no shade and no hate on them. But if you died right now, they will replace you tomorrow. So we're kind of like working for these, these institutions that don't value us. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so people are realizing that they don't have to do that anymore. So I think that it's, that is a lot related to just a a shift in humanity that we're experiencing um, right now. And also that we don't need all of those materialistic things that we you know, we're seeking all the time. It's, it's a lot of internal work that we need to do. Um And, you know, the, I think cultural immersion is, it is really internal, because if you don't work on the internal, you can't make the connection with other people. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah.
0: Do you have um, any story that you'd like to share with us about a connection that you made um, during your travels that wasn't, you didn't, obviously go seek it it just kind of happened because of you know just trying to be friendly um learning how to say a couple words here and there like but it blossomed because of just that that beginning interaction
2: yeah um oh my god there's so many um (laughs) your favorite (laughs) uh, yeah I think it's really easy to do that in Italy because you know again I speak Italian so is it is different from for me than someone who doesn't um but yeah i mean just like oh man i go i always go to the same pizza place when i'm in naples um if you ever get a chance to go there it's called antica pizzeria rosa c it's on the it's on the main road in, in naples in the historic center um and that actually, the first time that I went there, it was after a really long day of traveling. It was like 97 degrees outside all day. Um, I met up with other people. We got into our Airbnb. Um, and there was like some drama that ensued because we were with people who, who uh, another couple that was really acting like tourists. And it wasn't necessarily matching our vibe as travelers. Um, and all of a sudden it was like 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, I am so hungry, I didn't eat dinner yet. Like, I can't, like, no way, I can't go on. And I looked at, I was with my my friend and her husband and me and the husband looked at each other and we're like, I'm gonna die if I don't eat something right now. So we go out in the street, it's Napoli, it's 10 o'clock at night. We had never, like, I had never been there before. Joe had never been there before, my friend's husband and Kat had been there, but a long time ago. And um, we're just walking around, like lost little puppies, like so hungry like a couple of restaurants near us were starting to close down. We didn't really know what to do. Um, And we saw this like, like beam of light, like like beam of hope, (laughs) ray of sunshine in the dark alleys that are the Centro Storico of Napoli. And this guy was just like standing there with his apron and he saw us like, you know, walking around. Like he clearly knew that we weren't from there. And he looked at us and he was like in a town. He's like, wow you guys really look like you need a pizza. And we're like, yeah, dude. <laughs> like, is your kitchen open? He's like, yeah, we open till midnight. And I'm like, oh, mamma mia, let's go. So we go over and, you know, again, and it was my first time ever in Naples. I, I, for, for the first uh, like 10 years that I went to Italy, I only stopped at Rome was the most south I had ever gone. So I'm in Napoli and it's just like a totally different world. Like, it's not like the rest of Italy at all, in my opinion. Um, and he just, he's just like, oh, you know, we got like a couple of beers. And of course, when you go to Napoli and you get pizza, you have to get the pizza margarita first or marinara. That's what you have to start with because that's how you know if like Ow! the pizzeria is good or if it's like, you know, the chef isn't that good. Um, it's just, you know, margarita pizza. That is like the quintessential one. And then there's even another pizza that's that's less, you know, kind of like, um, it is more basic, which is just uh, pizza marinara, which is is just marinara, just like you think. And that literally only has just the pizza uh, crust, the dough, um, tomato sauce, olive oil. Um, sometimes there's some basil, sometimes not. Actually, no, it's never basil. There's no cheese or anything. It's just, hello. I'm a pizza with sauce
0: and that is
2: actually fine that most people in Napoli get that a lot more than the pizza margarita. Um, But anyway, this guy, he was just like talking to us, like we were his friends and, you know, we're eating, like he gave us like appetizer and free and, you know, he's trying to, it it was like a hospitality moment, but you know, he also wants us to keep coming back. Like, um, and then at the end of the meal, he was like, oh, you have to try this meloncello," And I'm like, is that like limoncello? And he's like, no. And I'm like, what? So he brings out this like, it, it's like, you know, this like old school wine jugs that are like have a tiny little like top and then a big, big bottom. <laughs> big round, like, I don't know, like straw like thing. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm terrible describing it. A- I he totally comes out know it's what you're just talking like- about. <laughs> oh my God, right? So he, it's like this like, bright um you know like almost creamsicle orange but it's like bright like neon creamsicle orange and I'm looking at him and I'm like oh my god this is like melon cello what and I don't like limoncello at all I I don't I hate it I think it's disgusting um but the melon cello is yes is absolutely yes and if they only make it in the south it doesn't exist in the north of Italy. That's why I had never heard of it before. I thought he was like making it up. And I didn't want to have any because I already had a couple beers. I'm really not a big drinker. And he's like, and then somebody else came out from the kitchen. They're like, Oh, but my mom made it. You have to, you know, that's to like you have to have it. And of course it's like, all right, you feel guilty if you don't. So we had that. And then we were just sitting there and you know, it was like getting late, and a couple of guys came over. And in Italy, you can drink on the street, like it's totally legal. You could like do like whatever. Um, and they had their beers and they were like getting a pizza or whatever, and it was these and this is funny because okay, so we were just like looking at them, they were looking at us, and we just started to chat and like it's like whatever, super chill. Um, and then we became friends and they, we were all speaking Italian, but I could tell that like one or two of the guys, they had an accent. So I didn't think they were Italian. And then there was a third guy who was speaking like straight up like Napoletano, like really like thick, di- like almost like dialect, like really thick accent from, from Napoli, um, whatever. And so the next day we all met up again and come to find this guy is from Scotland. Like he wasn't even uh-huh. Italian. And uh, this, this, and like, this is an example of, um, of acquisition. He he didn't really study Italian, like fully. He just moved to Italy from Scotland, hung around with Italian people. And a couple of years later, even me studying Italian for like 15 years, I could barely notice that he wasn't from, you know, Naples. Um, and and I like to tell that story because it's just an example of like, if you're just open, you could meet like really cool people. Um, and he showed us a really amazing piazza to hang out at at night. Which is like just like a party piazza. Everybody's out. Like Naples, the life is lived in the street. So, you know, it it wasn't necessarily one of those stories where I got invited into an Italian person's home or something like that. But it's just a story that I like to tell because it's somebody who culturally immersed themselves and then showed me, like local spots and like ways that I could do that in Napoli myself. Um, so you know, stay stay open. And I think my best advice would be to just smile at people. Like just make eye contact and smile with people because that's when you're gonna be able to make connections. And people, random people talk to me all the time when I travel because I smile at them. You know what I mean? And so like, of course, there's gonna be situations you might not feel comfortable doing that. And that's fine. Like go with the vibe, like do a quick vibe check, go with the vibe, do what you gotta do, especially if you're traveling solo. Um, But you know, most of the time, it's going to be good. Most of the time you're going to meet people. Um, and, you know, most of the time you can, you can make friends. So I would just say, be open, smile, make eye contact. Um, and it's also a good way to, to get a vibe check from people because if someone's sketchy, they're not going to like that you made eye contact with them. Do you know what I mean? So that's just one of one random story.
1: I love that. Oh my God. Like pizza literally like saved your well, it saved your night, but I want to say it saved your life because pizza
2: is life. <laughs> pizza is life-saving, life-changing. It's an inspiration. Yeah.
1: And it's so I different believe. there. I am uh, I wrote down, the name of the place was Antica La Rosa. What was
2: it? Yeah, it's Antica Pizzeria Rosa C, specifically. I think it was Rosa Capasso, maybe. And it's probably like the pizzaiola is like the pizza chef's mom's name or something like that. I got to ask someone to go back. But anyway, I only go there now. I only go oh, to that place okay. now. I don't go to other pizzeria. And I, because, you know, there's a couple that are really touristy. Um, so I try to like there's but it's, I mean, it's good. There's one place, Gigi Sorpillo, that's good. Um, but it's just, you know, long line. It's very hyped up. There's also one in, in um, I think New York city. Um, but I And those places are great, but I like to go to places that there's less you like. Um, I don't know buzz or whatever places where you walk by and you hear people speaking Italian at the tables like that's the type of places that
0: and you made a connection here it's yeah. like you're like a little piece of history like your life's history exactly yep
1: I wanted to ask you because I think we like we barely touched on it but like there there's obviously going to be this huge shift in travel very soon, right? With like, you know, hopefully we're going to be able to travel again. I know it's been COVID times. It's like been a year of like this weird limbo where things aren't open up. People have been sitting at home. A lot of people are remote working. So maybe there's this chance for them to try out like a slower travel Type situation, which maybe they haven't in the past. We mentioned, you know, the two week vacation in the U.S., which is we hate that, but it is what it is. <laughs> what do you kind of predict? I mean, do you have any predictions for the future of travel? What do you, what do you kind of, what does the Wander word think of travel in the in the coming? Um, I don't want to say months because we don't know when this is going to happen, but hopefully very soon. There's going to be this change where, you know, it's going to be
2: safer to travel again.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, the Wonder Woman's prediction. Well, I first of all, I think that, um, you know, people are not going to wait anymore to travel because we have been shown a huge example that like nothing is certain, nothing is set in stone and things can change at any moment. So I think that um, people are going to take their bucket list and just like go for it. I don't think people are going to be like, oh, I have to wait until the kids get this age or I have to wait until I have this much money, right? You know what I mean? Oh, I have to wait until I'm retired, which a lot of people in the United States wait until they're retired. Which is crazy to me. I mean, at that point, you're like 60, 65, and now you're going to start traveling. So I think that that's the first major thing um, is that people are going to get their bucket list out that they've been neglecting.
0: For Go it. for it.
2: And yeah, yeah, because really, I mean, we've been shown that, you know, time waits for no man and, or woman. And so we need to just like go for it. Um, so I think that's the first thing. The second thing is that I think people are really going to divest from like the group tour culture um, because people are initially going to be a little bit skeptical of being around large groups of people when they travel. Um, so th- that's another thing I think it's going to happen. Um, and also um, what I'm hoping is that people will uh, be more, you um, active and intentional about supporting the local economy because they know that touristic places, like popular places to travel, um, in countries that have their economy, you know, based largely on tourism, um, and, and money coming from the outside have really suffered a lot. Um, I was watching, um, uh, an Instagram live today, um, with a, a woman who's in the travel industry and she was interviewing this tour guide from from Napoli and he was like I mean it's been a year like what do I you know what I mean this is a whole year um, for people who ha- literally haven't made any money at all in a year I mean how do you live um I was also talking in a clubhouse room um to somebody who has been like to the uh to the Himalayas um and you know the her guide that took her around the mountains has not worked in a year. So I think that people will be more intentional about where they put their dollars um, and making sure that they are not staying in hotels that are owned by large corporations, um, because we know that those corporations don't need to be bailed out. They're sitting on tons of money. They have, you know, their own internal structures to generate money. Um, and they're very well connected. They have huge, you know, international networks. But the local guide, you know, in, you know, uh, in Ecuador doesn't. So we need to invest more in people like that. Um, you know, the local, um, the local bed and breakfast in, uh, you know, split Croatia, like that's where we need to be spending our money. That's where we need to be staying. Um, we need to make sure that these people are are getting paid. We need to make sure that we're investing in the local community. We need to make sure that we are, you know, let's, let's go to local markets instead of the supermarket. You know, let's challenge ourselves um, by going to places that are less known and doing that research so that we can support people and not corporations who are monopolizing off of the tourism industry, exploiting locals, um, getting paid and not using any of that money in the local community at all, just putting it in their pockets. So those are kind of my predictions, a shift of of mindset, a shift in thinking um, for people who who want to travel again. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully that sticks and it's not just a trend. So I'm,
1: I hope so too. Those are all like great, Things and Martha and I even talked about the whole bucket list thing. I'm like, you know, forget it. Like, there are certain things where I was like, I have, you know, let's wait on this, let's do this. Well, so that's going to be really expensive. No, that's what you've been wanting to do. Just do it. Exactly.
2: Exactly. I feel the exact same way. And, um, you know, and I've incorporated that even into my daily life. Like, I'm home a lot more than I ever used to be. Right. We all are. Um, and, but I don't save those outfits for when I go out and people see me, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to, if I want to wear something cute, I'm going to wear it in my house. Why is that, you know, like, why shouldn't I, um, I'm going to use my, like, this is my, you know, fancy like glass or whatever. Like, I mean, it's not even fancy, but you know, why shouldn't I use those things? Why shouldn't I use, um like my grandmother's China to drink my coffee. Like I was doing that every day during the extreme lockdown quarantine because it was a way for me to experience joy in my own home. So like, why wouldn't I wanna do that? So I think that can be said for all areas of, of life and and yes, uh, for travel because, you know, we, and especially as Americans, I think that for the longest time we could just go wherever we wanted. And like, we never realized that we had this like huge passport privilege um, And so, and now we see what it's like when other people can go to other countries and you're not allowed to go there. So huge reality check, um, that I hope people are having, um, and and just ultimately, you know, as just a one overarching theme of, of what travel is going to be like, I would just hope that it is just involves a lot more, um, humanity and intention and mindfulness. I love that. Those are all like really great points.
0: Um, I wanted to ask. Yeah, you- I'm wearing my my real gold now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm wearing my real jewelry now. I was like, Fuck come God, on. I'm not gonna save this for a special event.
2: Exactly. I'm like, give me all my rings. Yeah, come <laughs> on. Why am I waiting to like why? You, know? <laughs> you got you got to feel good, and and a lot of that is tricking your brain into feeling good by doing these things that that bring you joy. So,
1: yeah, I love that. Um, okay. So last question. Uh, so if you could give us like maybe three, like, you know, tips that we could share with, um, anyone who's listening, who is interested in, you know, getting more culturally immersed and really doesn't know how, what are like some, you know, just quick tips that you would, that you would give?
2: Yeah, um, I think that like local tourism boards are a good way to go if they are explaining, um, you know, the history of the place and stuff like that. Any way that you can um, access, uh, you know, again, authentic materials that are made uh, by people who live in that country. Um, and, and you know, this it doesn't mean that you need to be able to speak the language of every country that you visit, right? There's like 6,000 plus languages, so we don't have enough lifetime in us to do that, but Um, you know, there's a lot of like locally run websites that can be translated into your first language. Um, I think a great way to start is on like, you know, that the government websites as well, because there's like countries want people to visit. And so they do organize information for you so that you can access it, you know, before you go. Um, And another way um, is is through media. So, you know, um, uh, news broadcasts in that country, um, news is a great way to also like get, get context around um, obviously current events, but also language, because if you don't understand a language and you're watching the news, like they're going to be showing you a lot of images um, based on what, you know, they're talking about. So it's a good way to get that, that context, that linguistic context and also cultural context, um, movies and TV shows on streaming services. Um, like Netflix has so Netflix made so many contracts with different countries over the past like five years so um, there's so many movies and tv shows that are from other countries Um, I think I'm actually going to write a blog post about that in a couple weeks because there's just there's so much and like this like places that you wouldn't necessarily think would have a deal with Netflix do and they're making these amazing original movies and series um, based in other countries in that language as well Um, and if you don't have Netflix or you don't have paid streaming services, like that's okay. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube that you can, um, watch and and look up on your own. Um, and, you know, again, this isn't to necessarily to, um, learn a a language fluently, although those are also ways you can do that. But what you want to do is, is minimize, um, you know, culture shock. Uh, because by tuning your ear to that language because you're gonna be hearing it all the time. Um, so if you don't expose yourself to it before you go, it can be quite overwhelming and exhausting, um, especially if it's a country where nobody speaks your first language. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm gonna say music. Music is an excellent way to culturally immerse yourself because there's so much history in music. Um, and then it also gives you a chance to investigate um, the artist where where were they born in the country um, are they a current artists or are they from you know 50 years ago are they still alive um are people still talking about them are they celebrated in that culture um is are you listening to modern music that's more influenced by you know the american culture or are you listening to more traditional music um that predates the kind of you know international diffusion of of American music? Um, you know, these are all questions that you can ask when you listen to music from other countries to kind of gauge, you know, things about the culture. Um, and again, I I will mention, I don't like staying in hotels like ever just because of me, who I am as person as Jess in the world today. Um, but again, you know, they like a lot of times, I'm not going to say all the time because, you know, sometimes there's hotels that have bars and restaurants that locals go to. But most of the time, no. Mm -hmm. Um, And most of the time, like, why would a local need to go go stay at a hotel? If they live there, they're probably not going to. Um, Like, I'm not, there's a Marriott right down the street. I'm never going to stay. like, why would I stay there? Right? So you want to make sure you're staying in places that are conducive to, to uh, interacting with locals and that kind of take that barrier away. Um, like if you feel comfortable staying in Airbnbs, um, sometimes, I, I, sometimes people are afraid of that because they think they're not going to have any support, but remember there's a host, they're there for you, you know, read the reviews, see what people are saying about the host. If you read reviews for an Airbnb and the host's name is never mentioned, don't stay there because who are they? You don't know who they are. Um, they're not available. They don't live close by. You never interact with them hosts at Airbnbs are a great way to get to know where you should go what you should do what's what's the neighborhood like who else lives in the building um you know hey i got a neighbor on floor two if you need anything go knock on her door she knows you're staying here like that type of thing and also bed and breakfasts because those are um oftentimes homes that are converted into uh you know kind of a hotel-like situation um you're probably gonna at least get you know a home-cooked meal for breakfast Um, And the owners are always local and they always, you know, live near. And sometimes the bed and breakfast is an old family home. And that's how they kept the home by converting it into a bed and breakfast so they can pay to maintain the home. Um, So those are just some random thoughts.
1: I love that. (laughs) I wrote everything down. So yeah, share it. (laughs) Awesome. So awesome, Jess. Well, thank you for being on the show. Um, We always love chatting with you. And um, likewise. Yeah. Um, let everyone know where, where they could find you.
2: Yeah. So you can find me, um, on Instagram at the Wander word, also on Facebook at the Wanderword, word, um, just at the If you want to chat uh, about anything and my website, the So basically if you type in the wonder word on Google, you'll be able to find me in all those places. I love it. You're
1: easy to find. <laughs>
2: yes. Yes.
1: So awesome. Thank you so much again, and we'll chat soon. Thank you, yes,
0: Jessica, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on and sharing all your wisdom with us.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys inviting me to talk with you today. I love your podcast. I love the work that you're doing, and I'm really happy to have connected with you, and I hope that we can continue in the future. So thank you so much.
1: And that's our episode for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Oh My Travel Podcasts. You could find us on Instagram at Oh My Travel Podcasts. You could find Martha at Martha Gets It, and myself at The Wild Explorer. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a five star review. And as always, we'll see you next week.
2: Bye.